Do animals have a sixth paranormal sense? If so, are dogs the UFO hunting astronauts of the future? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This Paranormal Life! Yo! Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to This Paranormal Life, the show where every week we dissect a different paranormal tale, case, or claim and get to the bottom of whether it truly happened or not. As always, you're joined by myself, Kit Greer, this guy sitting across from me, Rory Pars. How are you doing today, Rory? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm having a good week. And mm-hmm. uh, as my favorite thing to do every week is really get my meaty little claws into a paranormal case. Rory, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. We've had, let's be honest with our listeners, we've had a long string of no's in this podcast. That's right. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, basically at the end of every show, we come down to your yes or no whether something's paranormal or not. Spoiler alert, there's not been a yes in a very long time. Yeah. That's why we're here. We're the investigators. And hey, if it were an easy job and anyone could do it, then they would. Then they would. We wouldn't get paid so much cash to do it. And we're not proud of the no's. You know, we've heard enough no's in our life. Can we have a loan to start the commune? No. No. Asking our parents, are you proud of this? No. No. Dad, will you please just stick around for Christmas? No. Just no after no after no. And I think it's time the commune hears a yes for once. A big old Y-E-S. And that's what I've brought to the table today. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm pretty confident you're going to agree with me. I love this. I love this. I'm ready. It's November 17th, 1986. And we're 35,000 feet up. We're aboard a Boeing 747. Good plane. Japan Airlines flight 1628. Except this is a cargo flight, so it's a quiet and routine journey piloted by one Captain Kenju Terauchi, co-pilot Takanori Tamefuji, and engineer Yoshio Tsukuba. The plane was coming from Paris and was laden with fine wine destined for Tokyo. But they do that journey in stages apparently, so on November 17th, their flight path took them from Reykjavik in Iceland across the northern Atlantic and then on to the final long stretch through Alaska and the Northern Territories to their destination in Anchorage. Okay. The evening sky was beautiful and clear as they flew, with visibility for miles. And because of this, Captain Terauchi noticed something in the distance, about as far away as he could see. He spotted two lights, yellow and amber. Now, immediately, he thought these could be aircraft beacons, The only problem was that the international color for those beacons is red, like we've seen on countless airplanes from the tops of buildings in London, for example. Yeah, yeah. So he watched intently, and as he did, one of these lights changed angle slightly, and one didn't. And looking at his radar, only one of them was showing up, and it read about eight miles ahead. He was intensely focused on these because he wanted to work out if he was passing another plane or not. It was obviously a potentially dangerous situation. I feel like if you're the pilot of a plane, like I want my pilot to know when there's other planes nearby. Right. I don't know a lot about what it takes to fly a plane, but I, you know, there's flight paths Mm -hmm. and there's obviously some sort of schedule uh, for these planes. Mm -hmm. I never want to be in the situation where my pilot's going, huh, now now what in the heck is that? What is that out there? It's like, I'm going to need you to think a bit faster because we're traveling at 5,000 miles per hour. Yeah, yeah. You, you need to know. You need you, you need to know and you need to have a weapon. And you know what? And if, if you don't know, you still need to be able to t- make a split second rash decision. Yeah. Even if the thing looks friendly, 
it, fire the lasers or whatever's on board. If you have to cock a gun in the cockpit, which you're not allowed to have because you're the not air supposed pressure, to have all that stuff, all that nerd shit. If you need to just fire that handgun out the windshield of the plane, drive to- by at 35k <laughs> feet. You call it a flyby. <laughs> You, you, a gangster ass flyby. <laughs> you crack the whip in a smidge, and you just get sucked out there, <laughs> like an octopus through a fifty pence piece. Completely liquefied instantly, <laughs> and pulled out of the bullet hole. The gun doesn't fly through the window. It, it falls back onto the ground of the cockpit. Fires wildly. Ship goes down. Yeah, I would not attempt a flyby, as they call it. Um, in the street gang community. Um, but definitely you need to be ready to combat this thing with weapons, possibly. And we don't care if there's hundreds of innocent people on that ship and there's literally just you on this ship because yeah. it's a cargo ship. Even if mine's full of villains, <laughs> I prioritize their safety. <laughs> brain full of dangerous criminals. <laughs> dangerous criminals and wine. I'm, try- I'm trying to get them out of the country. The deadliest cocktail of all. <laughs> So Captain uh, Terauchi, he slowly dimmed the cabin lights to make sure what he was looking at wasn't a reflection, that his eyes weren't just playing tricks on him. Smart. What's more, Terauchi was actually an ex-fighter pilot with over 10,000 hours of flight experience. So if anyone should trust their eyes up there, it's this guy. In a dark cabin, he flew and stared ahead for six minutes before he decided with certainty to call it in. He radioed into the FAA, or Federal Aviation Administration, air controllers on the ground in Anchorage, but they replied that all they could see on radar was Flight 1628, his plane. However, they did advise him to take evasive action if needed. Whoa. So he immediately dropped altitude to 31,000 feet. Smart. Except the lights followed him in exact formation and closer this time. And to give you a little sense of what Captain Terauchi must have been feeling at this time, here's an artist's interpretation of what the crew were seeing at this point. Okay, okay, this is good. This is exactly what we need here, folks. Wow, okay, this is not what I expected at all. Okay, so I was thinking, you know, we're talking about like two lights, uh, circular lights hovering around in the sky. But what we're seeing here is essentially two very large LED panels. They almost look like stadium lights, floodlights you would see at a football stadium. So very much like floodlights. Uh, but they don't seem to be connected. They seem to be just the squares of lights hovering ominously in the air with the sides of each square lit up, but the middle pillar of it is uh, not lit up at all. Very spooky stuff. Yeah, I feel like he probably thought it was an aircraft beacon from when it was like eight miles away. Yeah. But once he drops altitude and sees them closer up, I think it's extremely clear that it's not anything like that. That's terrifying. So Terauchi went one further. He turned the whole damn plane around. He looped in a circle, which was pretty smart because it eliminated the possibility that he was looking at some stationary phenomenon. But still, the objects followed in formation. At this point, he realized he was dealing with something he had never seen before. He claimed that the object had no gravity or inertia, and that they were able to change speed and direction impossibly fast. Wow. Looking at his radar, he believed these crafts were moving at massive speeds. And I thought this detail was particularly uh, weird. He said that the lights themselves were so bright 
that he could feel their sheer heat inside the cockpit. Oh, that's not good. That's how close he's getting to this thing. But before he knew it, as they approached some clouds, they zoomed off as quickly as they arrived. Any noise? Any trails of smoke? I don't think so. There's so much ambient noise if you're in your own cockpit, right? Yeah. They've got those big mufflers on as well. Yeah. Um, there's, there's like, for, even if you're, you tell everyone to shut up, there's still plane chatter, you know, like, we're running out of peanuts, we need some drinks on the start. And you're just like, everyone keep it down. And you're just like talk, over the comms to the passengers, which you, sh- you should never do because they no. don't want to hear from the pilot. They think it's an emergency. That's when like, it's bad. Like, shut the f- up. Everyone shut up. I can't hear myself think up here. Everyone in the back is like, is the plane hijacked? What's going on? You just are all so loud. I'm not unhinged, but if y'all don't shut up, I'm going to crash this bitch. Push it one more time. Push push that one more time, uh, passengers, and see what happens. <laughs> Who's flying the plane? Once these lights were gone, the crew were left in a darkened cockpit and could just make out a pale white light surrounding them. They told ground control they were experiencing peculiar radar behavior. And then Terauchi turned to his left to see where the source of this white light was coming from. He said that next to them was what he described as a mothership. Whoa. A giant craft at least the size of multiple aircraft carriers. Whoa. Now, thankfully, after surviving this incident, Terauchi was able to draw what he saw. And I can now show you his sketch. All right. All right. Okay. All right. This is more what I was thinking of. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a little planet on our hands. (laughs) It's... I mean, even an aircraft carrier is very much underselling what Terauchi saw up there. He saw Saturn. (laughs) It's a ball. It's a ball with like a hoop around it. That's what it looks like. I mean... Have you noticed the airplane for scale, by the way? (laughs) Oh, Jesus! (laughs) It's so small! He saw a planet. I don't understand how... He he took the liberty of drawing his own airplane, his own Boeing 747 for for a reference. Which, for reference, is a dot on this page (laughs) alongside this moon. (laughs) Borderline Jupiter. (laughs) I don't know what to say here. There's a lot of Japanese writing uh, that I don't quite fully understand. You, you actually, you can read some um, some Japanese. Right, right, right. Do you recognize? Yeah. Do you can you translate any of that? You know, I took one or two. Uh, I took one or two evening classes, just like a couple Wednesdays. Of course, did like a, a quick like Wednesday, Thursday, but I'm pretty sure I mastered that shit. It's pretty easy. The teacher kicked me out. At least that's why I think she kicked me out because I as long I, as I you know mastered it. All you really need is McDonald's wa dokudeska, and you'll never go hungry in your life. Give a man a fish, he'll eat once, but teach a man McDonald's wa dokudeska. Yeah. He'll eat for the rest of his days. Yeah. As long as he's got 99p. There is actually a transcript of Japan Air Flight 1628 talking to the FAA in Anchorage, which you can read online. At this point, Terauchi says, we must run away quickly. Wow. Uh, after seeing the mothership. He calls it into ground control and they receive an immediate request for them to change course by 45 degrees. But as he turns the plane around towards Talkeetna landing strip, the mothership follows. At this point, 
ground control are offering military assistance to Teruchi because yeah. we're over America at this point. Yeah, yeah. They're not over Canada. They're not over Paris. They're not over Iceland or Japan. They're over Alaska. Yeah, that's right. You're hovering over the US of goddamn A. And they're not going to tolerate no mothership. No. If you try and get into the United States today as a goddamn doctor, yeah, they're turning you away. No what way, are they going to do if you're a planet? <laughs> a planet with millions of sentient beings on it. No, There's it's going to no happen, buddy. There's no way you're going to be able to rent a one bed in Manhattan. <laughs> There's no goddamn way they're letting you in. So they offer military assistance to Terauchi and his crew, but he declined, having heard about the Mantel incident. <laughs> Sounds like he declined because in that incident, the military showed up and shot the plane. <laughs> Hopefully that's not what happened. In 1948, a US Air Force pilot sighted a UFO and followed it all the way into the upper atmosphere, ignoring all advice on ground control to level out his altitude. And to this day, it's unknown whether a UFO killed him or he simply blacked out from a lack of oxygen. But uh, he died. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's really terrifying. But it, they really look at the Mantell incident as the turning point of how UFOs re- were reported on. Because yeah. up to that point, it was kind of seen as like a funny novelty um, item, news story. But after that, it was like, okay, a UFO killed someone either just by someone trying to pursue one yeah uh, or by some sort of violent conflict so it definitely changed how people thought about it there is something so genuinely terrifying about the thought of being a pilot who sees something in the sky so enticing and addicting that he literally will follow it into space until his craft explodes or whatever happens when we leave (laughs) earth (laughs) i think we pop like a balloon that, that's what's so interesting. You don't get up into the sky generally unless you're pretty experienced. There's a couple of stories out there of less experienced pilots who do crazy shit. But I mean, someone like Captain Terauchi, he has, he's an ex fighter pilot, 10,000 hours up, up in the sky. It's a lot of hours. So when he starts calling in to ground control, being like, I don't know what I'm looking at, that's yeah. worrying. So because he knew about that incident, he didn't want to call in military assistance in case it got either his ass or their ass killed. However, ground control had one more idea up their sleeve. They knew that right that second, there was a United Airlines flight taking off in the same flight path over Alaska. They radioed in and simply asked the pilot to keep a lookout for this UFO and JAL-1628. However, by the time 1628 was coming into land, the United Airlines flight was 12 miles away and the UFO was long gone. Terauchi had eventually lost sight after his various evasive maneuvers. Now, once they landed, the crew gave a report to the FAA, citing that they had seen UFOs categorically. And once back in Japan, Terauchi was interviewed by Kyoto News, one of the largest news agencies in Tokyo, about the incident. There are excerpts of this online that you can read, um, but in the interview, he revealed all. He drew the diagram that I just showed you of the mothership. He explained the timeline of events and what his crew were thinking. He explained that whilst the smaller UFOs that we started off with were not picked up on ground control radar, the mothership was apparently picked up on the FAA and Air Force radars. So it was picked up on radar. 
And there's like records of that as well. That's we'll get bananas. To, we'll get to this in a oh bit. Oh my god! FAA investigators. We're blowing. This is this is it, guys. This is the this yes is what I'm being grown in front of. of you right now. Can you feel this? Can you feel the seeds of of conspiracy sprouting up through the earth? We are living the yes right now. I can feel it coming. FAA investigators who questioned the crew in Anchorage concluded in a report that the crew was quote normal professional rational and had no drug or alcohol involvement these this is what i love is credible witnesses all right that's my favorite type of people that we talk about in these cases you saying this guy has what ten thousand hours of flight time in the sky the crew all together have a combined total of 46 years in the air i have probably ten thousand hours on blizzard's overwatch <laughs> all right I play that game so much, and you can bet if I see a tracer, I know that I saw a tracer, all right? If I see Saturn in the corner of the Ilios <laughs> deathmatch map, I know what I saw. You know what you saw. It could be a split second on Numbani, and it could be a Winston flying overhead. I know I saw that monkey, all right? So don't come at me saying that I'm inexperienced. 10,000 hours put anywhere makes you an expert. They say that 10,000 hours is, that is the route to mastery. If you put 10,000 hours into anything, you will be a master. Yeah. Personally, a master sitting on my goddamn ass. <laughs> of course. But granted, if lights start hovering around the sofa, when I'm <laughs> kicking it with a couple of brewskis, I'm going to know what I saw. Exactly. Needless to say, this interview and the investigation by the FAA painted a very believable and respectable picture of our witnesses. They asked him if he was nervous, to which he replied, no, I am the captain. I cannot be nervous. Very cool. Very cool. That's some Galactic 12 shit right there. And when they asked him why he thought the UFOs were following a cargo ship in the first place, he laughed and said, we were carrying Boujolet, a very famous wine made in France. Maybe they want to drink it. But it is a good question. We never think about why a UFO would decide to pop up at that time and indeed follow him and his crew. Yeah, the fact that it's a cargo ship transporting wine, I mean, I would jump to the conclusion that they didn't know what was on the ship. <laughs> but before I jumped to the conclusion that they're, they're trying Alcos. to they're trying to gank it. <laughs> trying to gank some there sweet is, wine. There is zero Beaujolais Sauvignon on Planet X. So they had to come all the way to Alaska. All they have is bottle after bottle of space wine, which is basically liquid diamonds and gold <laughs> bottled up and corked, which to them is like, it's basically shit. Gutter trash. <laughs> it's nothing. That's their like... That's their... That's their frosty jacks. That's their buck fast, of Absolutely. It's, it's trash to them. But I mean, if they, if one alien came down and took a swig from a can of tenants, it would, it would blow them away. That's a foreign delicacy to them. Now, if they took a sip of Goldschlager, they would think it was gutter trash. It's Terrible. Too, too similar to home. They don't like Goldschlager. They don't like caviar. They don't like any of the fancy stuff. <laughs> it's pretty much upside down land. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't gathered already. Have you seen Stranger Things? Well, here's the twist we're the upside down we're the shit world sirloin steak to them is a happy meal but if they get their hands on a microwave rustler burger they will i mean they'll eat for days just having slice after slice 
They've they've been known to take packets of super noodles with them back to their home planet and save it for their version of Christmas, which is in the middle of summer, obviously. But there's still Santa. There's still an alien. Oh, yeah. He's making a list and checking it once. This is Terauchi in the interview. They're like, do you know what? He's not that reliable. I think Just he's about to retire. Cut the mics. Cut the mics. <sighs> Yeah, but unfortunately for Terauchi, after being so honest and spilling the beans on this entire affair, Japan Airlines were furious that he went public and immediately punished him, grinding him indefinitely Ooh. and moved him somewhere he would never encounter UFOs again. <laughs> do, you, do you mean like grounded as and sent to his room or grounded as he can't fly anymore? He has to work in an office. Oh, okay. Which is his bedroom. Which is both, yeah. He works from home. And no TV after eight. This probably raised more than a few eyebrows. After all, why shouldn't he be able to speak out about his, his own experience? But they were angry that people might interpret his statement as the official company view of what happened. That's fair. So now, everyone is scrambling to explain what's going on. Japan Airlines completely contradicted Terauchi and the crew, stating that it was some sort of technical failure and a misunderstanding on behalf of the crew. And naturally, the case also attracted paranormal investigators. This time in the form of Psychops also known as the Committee for the Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. You can tell that's one of those organizations that worked out they wanted to be called Psychops and then had to work backwards to fill in what that means. 100%. They concluded that the crew had simply been looking at Jupiter and Mars and confused them for UFOs. This was not a popular explanation because apparently contradicting what they've just said apparently jupiter and mars would have been effectively the other way compared to their flight path and i mean they would have been dots as well yes and also he did like a 360 loop and none of it makes any sense it doesn't at all they're they're putting trash on terauchi's name right now as if he wouldn't have known what a planet looks like yeah he's got ten thousand hours in the sky did you ever look up at the sky and look at mars because you can see Mars from mm-hmm. Earth. It's disappointing as hell. Because you think it's going to be this big old red orb in the sky. Yep. It's, a dot, it's a dot, folks. It's a twinkly it's little a dot. It's a bit red. Tiny bit, maybe. That's... Sometimes I just say that I think it's red because other people told me it was. I can't see shit. I think it's, it's an insult to these fine men to assume what they saw was a planet. However, it seems that even they realized this idea was dumb because they went back to the drawing board and eventually said... Actually, they saw light reflecting off ice crystals in the upper atmosphere. Uh, There's definitely... Hey, I'll give it to them. There's some weather patterns that are very rare, kind of unheard of, and that if you hadn't seen before, you might mistake for a paranormal phenomenon. Well, hell, floating ice crystals. I'll go on the line and say that's paranormal right now. Fuck it. But at this point... The only people in this whole affair who haven't given their version of the story were the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration. What was taking them so long? After all, they were there on the ground communicating with the crew. They were there with access to all the evidence from Flight 1628. That's because they had been told not to say shit. The FAA Head of Investigations, John Callahan, presents the evidence to President Reagan's scientific advisors, military officers, and CIA agents. We ran this thing for him, and the uh, CIA guy, he says, can we see it again? So I had to rewind the tape, put it back in again, we watched it again. After a third viewing, the meeting is brought to an abrupt end. 
This event never happened. We were never here. We're gonna confiscate all the stator, and y'all are sworn to secrecy. What do you think it was? A stealth bomber? No, that was UFO. I said, UFO? He says, yeah, look at them. Look at the scientists. He says, they're drooling. They can't wait to get their hands on all this equipment. CIA agents gather all the evidence and take it away. The CIA says, I don't want to tell the American public that we are visited by somebody who has more technology than we do. It's bad for business, so we don't do it. We asked the CIA to comment on the Japan Airlines incident. They declined. Records of the encounter only exist thanks to John Callahan, who makes copies of the originals. He's determined the public should be told the truth. Do I believe that we're being visited? Uh, yes, I believe we're being visited because I, I've seen the information that the Japanese pilot talked about. And it had to be just what the pilot said it was, which would, in my eyes, uh, mine would be a UFO. So, head of investigations, John Callahan from the FAA, gets called into a meeting with, I think he said, President Reagan's scientific advisor, CIA yeah. and FBI agents. They watch the video three times, and then I think his words were, y'all are sworn to secrecy. <laughs> Which I don't think is a binding contract, by the way. You can't just yell that at someone and make it so... Well, I don't know, actually. It's the government. I think Maybe if the they CIA <laughs> tells you that, you probably... There's a lot of people who'd obey. I did really like uh, in, in the clip where he, they basically said that he said you're all sworn to secrecy we're going to redact all this information and this meeting never happened mm -hmm. and the man says well what was that and then he just turns and goes it was a ufo <laughs> so, yeah, well, you probably could have not said that you probably could have just n not said anything really just gathered <laughs> you had to have that last word you know, you know stop on the in the doorway and go it was a alien dumbass earth ain't safe anymore you know that those two cia agents are walking in the street and it's like scott we we had it in the bag why did you have to say that at the end i'm sorry bro i get too heated in those things sometimes <laughs> you know i'd like to believe you knew the case scott it was just get in get the we didn't even have to show the footage we didn't even have to show it all we had to do was just leave we actually didn't even need the meeting <laughs> We could have just got them to send us the shit and we burnt it. And what you hear there at the end is that basically, subsequently, after this, the FAA towed the line. After this meeting, they came out and said it was due to some sort of split radar issue that basically they were seeing multiple signals where there weren't any. Bullshit. And they said, I quote, that they accept descriptions by the crew, but were unable to support what they saw. Unbelievable. Un-goddamn believable. You work with the pilots right up until the point where the man has the barrel of a gun on the back of your head, and all of a sudden, nothing happened. I see how it is. But then, crucially, this hero of the night, John Callahan, they confiscate this data, but he's got it on a, a little CD-ROM, apparently. A backup. So he's on TV, and he's just watching the radar data on his computer. And apparently he's distributed this to a bunch of places. So yeah. like, it, it's there, it exists. The CIA have their gun against the back of the head of the FAA, but against the back of the head of the CIA is John. It's a triple he's twist. one step ahead. Fully packing an alien rifle with the butt of the gun right up against the CIA bastards. 
granted, John's a little worried because he doesn't know what the gun does. It could actually make people stronger. He doesn't know. He hasn't fired it yet. He fires. It turns out it's a gun that makes people see shit from your point of view. It's pretty abstract, but it did the job. Unfortunately, what he thought was the barrel was the stub. The barrel pointing right at his own throat. Suddenly, he's a narc. He sees shit from the FBI's point of view. He's ratting out everyone and cuffing anyone he can get his hands on. He's calling Tadauchi-san and getting him to come around for a coffee. Meanwhile, he's warming up the handcuffs. (laughs) (laughs) The barrel of the gun so obviously pointed at his own head. Take this, you CIA son of a bitch. (laughs) Blast his own throat. People are like, it wasn't even, it was shaped like a human gun. It wasn't even an alien gun. I think he just has never fired a gun before. (laughs) It wasn't alien, it was just backwards. (laughs) He's like, oh, that space gun made me a narc with a sore throat. It's like, you just shot yourself in the neck. It's amazing you're alive. The narc thing has nothing to do with it. I think you're just scared now. CIA are just like, you know what? Let him keep the evidence. He's a danger to him. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here. Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So, so Rory... Yeah. I feel like I've just dropped a bombshell. What are you thinking right now? Oh, that's fantastic evidence. This is the great thing about uh, investigating a UFO case where there are pilots involved. Because ironically, when you have a UFO case or an alien encounter that takes part uh, within the military, sure, maybe some of that evidence is going to be destroyed or uh, binned. But you know that it does exist Mm -hmm. because all these encounters, every movement of every plane has to be so well documented that it's very hard to scrape anything under the rug. I mean, if you think of an alien encounter out in the woods with someone who's camping, you know, it's iPhone footage. 
their memory's a little hazy. That camper doesn't know where he is, let alone where <laughs> the Sasquatch is. Exactly. You're not going to get... You're not going to get exact details, but obviously with a military flight like this, you know, they're probably saying, I first made contact at 11.58 to the second. Literally. You have my literal GPS coordinates. It went three clicks north, then it yeah. doubled back. It traveled at this speed. 100%. And actually, um, there was evidence that was cross-referenced because Ted Aucci originally in his testimony, he was like, yeah, I feel like that. I feel like those UFOs were following me for you know, like 30 something minutes. And then I think they actually worked out, no, it, it only followed you for like eight minutes or something. And he was like, oh, that felt like longer, but that's that was good to know. Yeah. And so they were able to actually come together and pool that information. And I didn't want to rely on it too much, but it's worth mentioning that there have been a couple more bits of information come to light in the years since this first sighting of Japan Airlines 1628. On January 29th, 1987, Alaskan Airlines Flight 53 was heading from Nome, Alaska to Anchorage, the same destination as the Japan Airlines 1628 crew. Something happened that came to be known as the McGrath Incident. This is where the co-pilot and pilot on radar over Anchorage saw out of nowhere multiple unidentified radar points. That might be interesting in and of itself, but... What was especially erratic was exactly what Terauchi described. Objects moving without inertia or gravity. This is something McGrath, the pilot, described as objects moving at a mile a second. Whenever they ran the calculations and how fast these things are moving across radar, they're traveling at thousands of miles per hour. Yeah. Completely defying all known science of movement. Not to mention what looks like just the next day, January 30th, 1987, a KC-135 cargo plane from Anchorage this time was heading to Fairbanks, Alaska, and they spotted an unidentified object to their left, just as happened to Terauchi. Now, after asking air traffic whether they saw anything on their end, they didn't. Before long, the object disappeared out of sight. But again, these transcripts of these sightings are on places like Wikipedia. You can read what the pilots were saying. You can see in those two later accounts that they actually reference the Japan Airlines flight. Yeah. They're kind of aware of it. And they're like, geez, this is actually ringing some alarm bells in my head of, of that story. And these two stories were definitely factored into whenever journalists documented the case of Japan Airlines 1628. It made international news. The New York Times did a big write-up about it at the time. And it's not that there's enough with these other two sightings to say that they're definitively paranormal, but stitched together with our original testimony, it paints kind of a broader picture. I find it quite humorous that uh, it got to the point where the FAA were essentially denying a lot of the claims of the original case. But it seems like when this thing happens again, they very much reference the original case as an example of when this exact same thing happened, <laughs> which yeah. is a bit baffling. Are you guys seeing anything up here? It's like other than Saturn and those weird things moving at 3,000 miles per hour? No. Nah. You're tripping, bro. You're tired. So, Rory, let's not beat around the bush. I've I've painted quite a picture here. Uh, we've taken it all the way back to the mid-80s. One of the most sensational UFO stories of uh, modern history. We have a sighting by three different airline pilots with 46 years in the air, 10,000 hours of experience, just the pilot alone. We have that 
information recorded in their radar on the ship, cross-corroborated by radar arrays on the ground, not to mention a CIA and goddamn presidential investigation into this thing, which according to the head of the FAA at the time, was goddamn covered up. But yet, we know about it today because he has that little CD-ROM. The ba- always make a backup. Always make a backup, guys. What do you make of this case? This is amazing. This is my favorite kind of case. One, it's UFOs. One, <laughs> sold. We got a lot of evidence. And uh, finally, the um, lead witness isn't drunk. Those are my three favorite things. There to, was to a lot of wine on board, <laughs> but he swears he didn't take a sip. He had 14 tiny Heinekens. <laughs> uh, but that was all. Yeah, this is this is a perfect case. I mean, this is not a flash in the pan incident here, folks. I mean, we see um, crafts, airplanes or military crafts uh, having experience or encounters with UFOs pretty much every year. In fact, I don't remember which episode it was where we talked about Project Blue Book, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe was the declassified government, U.S. government, essentially organization to document and track UFOs, uh, which went on for years and years with them denying it never existed. <laughs> and then obviously coming out that it completely so existed. Rude. It's insane how many times they think they can get away with this. Just keep it secret forever. Why yeah. tell us? Or at tell all? us now and just get One it, get it over two. with. It's crazy. But yeah, so we already know that there's organizations in the U.S. military who are in charge of tracking these types of crafts. Um, And I think in that same episode, the example I used was maybe as recently as last year, quite recently in the news, there was the... uh, the military jet that had an encounter with a strange object moving across the sky. And we're not talking uh, radar footage here, folks. We're talking actual real-life yeah. footage Cameras. from from the, the plane. And you can watch this footage. You can watch this weird craft tracking across the sky and rotating in a way that no plane possibly could. You can also hear the actual interaction between the pilot and ground control. Oh my gosh! Against the wind. The wind's 120 miles to the west. Look at that thing, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. That is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's like a thing, it's rotating. As they discuss this, so there's no faking up the footage. There's no getting rid of it. No redacted. This is the information age, people. If I want it, I get it. All right. (laughs) WikiLeaks, the dark web, Twitter, TikTok, wherever I gotta go to get that paranormal shit. My boy Snowden. He know he's got a hookup for me. So we already know that even to this day, encounters like this are still happening. Granted, maybe not on the scale of this one. We do know that they are still happening, which uh, lends a lot of believability to this case for sure. We shouldn't gloss over that. The fact that as recently as last year, US military video footage showed an unidentified flying object being chased by a fighter pilot moving like Terauchi described, yeah. without gravity or inertia. That was kind of interesting what John said about the CIA. I'd never thought about it this way before, but he claims they said, we don't want the public to know there is technology out there greater than ours. It's bad for business. Yeah. So it, which paints a kind of realistic picture that it's not that they're willingly trying to hide an alien race from people on Earth. More that it's politically sensitive because if they admit we don't know what that was and then it turns out that it's Russian or Chinese technology, that's not good for the US military. Makes them look weak. 
And then the Chinese and Russians know, okay, we know for a fact that they don't have the technology that we have. <laughs> they don't have planet ships like us. <laughs> they don't have a mothership, a literal planet, a literal <laughs> Death Star at the end of every episode. We have to come down on a conclusion. Uh, whether the paranormal tale that we've outlined is truly paranormal or not, we it's our duty that we owe to the community, owe to the world, to set the record straight so people know what's right and what's wrong, what's that's real right, and what's that's right. That's right, brother! Where are we coming down today? Look, any case like this where we've got evidence, we've got credible witnesses, we've got the grubby little piggy stuff... CIA, MIB, FBI, dirty little hobgoblins getting their shitty little redaction pens poking around in my business. You know that's paranormal. You You know there's something going on there. You know where they don't show up? When everything's fine. And guess what? This ain't fine. This is out of this world. Listen, Folks, whenever it's a weather balloon, they don't. They, Reagan's scientific advisor and the CIA don't have a little meeting when there's no, a weather balloon. Folks. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen when there's a drone in the sky. They're mm-hmm. nowhere to be uh-uh. seen. They're nowhere to be seen. But as soon as this thing shows up, there's meetings. There's organizations. There's information being told one day and then taken back the next day. Folks, we are looking at a, a premium, guaranteed paranormal case here. Myself, personally, I'm putting my paranormal reputation on the line. This week is a big old yes I can't me. believe it. It's a double yes! A double yes! Oh! They said it couldn't be done. They said it couldn't be done. Yet here we are. Whew. Hell. And you know what? Does that put a does that put a red, red dot, dot sight on my course. head? Of You're course. goddamn right it is. But That's- I've got a gun turned the wrong way, pointing right back at my head. How do they like that? And I'm not afraid to pull the trigger. Holy shnikes, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for sticking with us through through Ooh. all the no's. That's right. Wasn't it worth it? We got here that in the beautiful end. Yes. That actually should be like a rite of passage. When you come through the gates of the paranormal commune, uh, we'll mark your forehead with a red X. Because mm-hmm. once you enter that gate, you're on a list. You will be assassinated if you enter any major countries. So it's it's <laughs> it's a really a sign of dedication to the organization. It's a bit like that movie Icarus. It's like that Russian uh it's like that Russian doping guy. It's like the moment you subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, yeah. Call your wife, call your dog. You're not coming you're back. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, babe. You're on the no fly list and the must die list. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> Hope you guys enjoyed the story of JAL sixteen twenty eight guaranteed paranormal case. Wow. Yeah. If you have any of your own thoughts about it, any of your if if you were one of the crew, please let us know what you think at this paranormal life podcast at gmail.com. If you want the chance to relive the excitement of a double yes in the flesh, it's possible, folks, because we've got another live show. Our next live show is September 15th, Sunday, 15th of September, 9:30 p.m in London, at the London Podcast Festival, at King's Place. We're extremely excited about it. It's going to be an amazing show. It uh, will be. It will be. We, we've got a lot planned for you guys. Um, We're bringing a lot of experimental military weaponry uh, that we bought on the dark web. Is it legal? Of course not. We're going to do crowd participation uh, where we have you vote on which way you think the gun should be facing before we pull the trigger. So if you are free... Sunday, 15th of September in London, 9.30 p.m. You can grab tickets at 
kingsplace.co.uk. We'll also be tweeting, posting the link on Facebook, etc. Um, they are moving. I do advise that you pick some up um, because they won't be around at the last minute. So yeah. definitely check it out. And lastly, but not leastly, if you cannot get enough paranormal content in your life, if you have simply breezed through all the regular episodes of This Paranormal Life, uh, did you know there are more? There's redacted This Paranormal Life content over at patreon.com forward slash This Paranormal Life, where from two bucks a month, you can get a shout out on the podcast, five bucks a month gets you access to a monthly bonus episode, and we've got a backlog there. And 20 bucks a month gets you this paranormal life cult. Yeah, I mean, you, commune t-shirt. You think you're you're flying at 33,000 feet all alone listening to the podcast, but uh-oh, turn to your left. It's the mothership. It's bonus content. It's following you wherever you go. You want to turn, you want to do a 180, it's still there. It's going to follow you to the ends of the earth. P- people in the public are going to say it doesn't exist. They're going to say, there are no bonus episodes. I don't get any bonus episodes. It's because they don't have the RSS feed, all right? They don't pay shit. They don't pretty, get shit. It's quite a low bar to entry. It's, it is, it's yeah. It's five bucks, <laughs> and that gets you the RSS feed, and then you see the mother shit. Of course, yeah. Do you want to live your life without all these extra government secrets being leaked? Of course you don't. So for, I mean, what is what is $5? You're going to buy, you're going to get a cup of coffee? You're going to pay alimony to your wife? <laughs> You're going to take your son Billy out for an ice cream sandwich? I don't know what you you guys do in your spare time. It's not going to buy two ice cream sandwiches, that's for sure. It hell, to hell it, it isn't. It'll be one, one for Billy. You'll maybe get a bite if he's feeling generous. And he ain't because he hates you. Because you don't buy him too many ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> but you know what Billy loves? Supporting independent artists on Patreon. <laughs> you know what Billy <laughs> hates advertising. So so do Billy a fa- do Billy a solid for once in your life, Dad. Don't let him down. Join the This Paranormal Life Patreon and enjoy together. You can share an earbud uh, and and enjoy all the bonus content we have to offer. And at the end of every episode, we like to take the time to do those said shoutouts. Shout out people who are supporting us on Patreon. Let's go. Thank you to Bloody Malice. You got to be careful uh, this day and age with your bloody malice. With the amount of vampires I see on a day-to-day basis. You want bloody malice? You just got to be prepared for what you're bringing to the table, Mm. which is a horde of thirsty little fanged beasts. As long as you're you're okay with dealing with that, you got your garlic, your holy water, uh, super soaker, you know, it's fine with me, but there's your warning from a paranormal cage fighter who's had to put up with more than one of these bastards at a time. Surprisingly somber shout out, but uh, just a little PSA. Thanks also to Daniela Hodges. Daniela, I've got something to tell you. Your fangs are looking a little protruding, all right? And if I... If it turns out you're a vampire, Daniela, I've made it clear. I've made it abundantly clear what I do to those blood-sucking right? I appreciate the support, but I swear, Daniela, if you even turn into a bat once, that's once too many times. So thank you for your support. Why so much as see you eat something red? Honest to God. We will have to put you down. But thank you for the support. Thanks. I hope that you are not a vampire. And if you are, just don't bite anyone in the commune. And then it's none of our business. So thank you. Thanks also to Reese Mobs. Reese Mob? As in Reese from the mob? He's getting behind us? Oh my goodness. 
if this is one of those like you give up give us something and now we're eternally indebted i don't know if i want it reese i think we'll just not take the money for don't, sure don't know if i want to get mixed up with the mob yeah because i don't want it to be like he gives us five bucks and now it's like we have to hide a body for him seriously <laughs> I'm hiding enough bodies as it is, Reese. There's no room in the no closet. Capacity. We're at max capacity. So we'll take your dirty mafia gold, but we can't really help you with any favors or hope that's just, okay. We just have to help you with something else. Fine. Yeah, we'll kill someone, but we can't take any more bodies. You gotta dispose of it. Thanks also to Ward. Ward! Huh. What is he good for? Supporting us on Patreon! Thank you, Ward, for your endless support. I know what you're good for. I miss being a pal when I need one. Wow. Thanks also to Connor Kelleher. Connor Kelleher killed a bird. <laughs> what? That's right. You know, there's a lot of hunters that go out into the African deserts to hunt exotic birds. Is there? <laughs> I learned about this uh, okay. quite recently when Connor invited me on the hunt. I showed up. I said, where's the rifle? He oh, said, so you the what? <laughs> you learned first time. Yeah. And I wish I hadn't because it turns out he doesn't use guns at all. He uses his hands. You looked around and he, just as you asked for the gun, he was just putting on a knuckle duster. <laughs> I watched Connor punch a bird. There we go. I said it. If this is hush money, Connor, then fine, I'll accept it. It's total. Well, I actually, I just told everyone what you, you did, so that's. But you've what, already sent it, so. But you've already sent the money, so it's it's fine. We'll call it even. Thanks also to Devin Sola. Devin Sola, you're like a soda. You're tall, delicious, ice cold, and one day you're probably gonna kill me. And just like world governments are trying to bring in soda taxes. We need a solar tax. <laughs> and that's what Patreon is for us. Uh, it's our personal solar tax for you. Thanks also to Jared Dollard. I need a dollar, dollar. <laughs> Jared is what I need. He's sending us those US dollars and we appreciate it. Because every penny, every dollar that you send us goes straight into what makes this podcast great. Whiskey. Poker, anime body pillows, everything that makes this podcast run, you help support it. So thank you. Thanks also to Kaylee Thompson. Kaylee Thompson comes from Compton. Whoa. Kaylee is one of, believe it or not, a le one of the early lesser known members of NWA. Oh my gosh. Insane. I know. Uh, very influential. It's kind of back when rappers were kind of it was kind of like fun like nursery rhyme kind of style stuff it was like you know like my name is kaylee and i'm here to say you know that yeah kinda... like the bubbly kind of like will smith style rap yeah, yeah yeah my name is kaylee and i'm here to say that i kick butt all across the usa and it's like all right that's that's pretty cool and then obviously as she took more drugs and got more involved with the street crime uh her latest later albums were more like you know my name's mother kaylee i'm gonna rip your throat out of your face and bury you in a moat it's like all right and kaylee, even dr dre was <laughs> like kaylee you, you need to cool it bro i'm mother crazy kaylee like we like the original daisy kaylee who was kind of cute with the flowers daisies i'm gonna kill you dre it's like, all right the label's gonna drop you because you can't say that dre's like i'll say the police i'll say a lot of things but daisies what have they ever done to hurt anyone nothing 
Um, so, wow, I hope your rap career is coming back in full force. Let us know when the next uh, single drops and we'll, we'll throw you some money. Thanks also to Sabrina Melendez. I don't know a lot about Melendez, but I know one thing, and that's Sabrina's a witch. <laughs> Simple enough. Simple enough. Uh, you know what? It's brave of you to show your face uh, to a, a couple of paranormal hunters. Um, I'll be honest with you, witches don't bother me that much. Sabrina, you know, what, what do they ever do to anyone? Just cook up some shit, cook up a newt, uh, cook up some... they curse a lot of people. Yeah, well, aside, aside from that, do some magic, yeah. go to Hogwarts, drink a butter beer, kill Voldemort. Witches was, are good. Harry Potter. What I'm trying to say is I think this human witch divide <laughs> needs to be torn down. All I know is Hermione seemed pretty friendly. Yeah. And she was, by all accounts, a witch. She was. So, Sabrina, thank you for your support. Thank you also to Shiloh Vuck. Shyler isn't shy. Not at all. He always stands up for what he believes in. Fortunately, a lot of what he believes in is pretty bad. Oh. Uh, like, he'll just go on a tangent about how he thinks we should definitely use animals to test everything. Really? He believes uh, global warming is a hoax. Oh. <laughs> Which, uh, you know, Shyler, I-, I appreciate the fact that you're not shy. I, li- I like the fact you're so upfront, but I definitely don't believe you should be saying a lot of the things you're saying and that's coming from a guy who every word puts him further into guantanamo bay did we mention that we're in we're in guantanamo (laughs) we are we cut this live from guantanamo we're in the mo (laughs) we should really start every episode with that live from guantanamo bay (laughs) this paranormal life shyler thank you for your support i hope you're not embarrassed to say that you love this podcast thanks also to sit and meg early how do you like your megs in the early i like mine with a sit oh my god guys they say that the early bird gets the worm but the early humans get a fantastic podcast thank you for all your support we are very grateful thanks lastly but not leastly to matt saul and that's all, folks. <laughs> See you next week on this paranormal <laughs> life. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for all the time and love that you give this podcast. Without you, Matt, we we crumble to ash. We crumble to little dust men, little dust bunnies even. But thanks to you, it's all good. So thank you for your support. It means the world to us. Thanks to everyone we've shouted out today and everyone we've shouted out in the past and everyone we are yet to shout out. Um, thanks, everyone, for being so patient with your shout outs. I know it's been a little wait. Yeah, whenever we started doing shout outs, basically there was a lot less people. Uh, there was so- four. <laughs> support. We, kn- we knocked it out of the park in one episode because you guys have been so um, supportive of the show. It just means we have a couple more names to get through every week, but um, we are getting there. We're committed. Yeah. We're going to do it. It also means that the paranormal commune is growing and spreading all across the world. So, And you know what that means, folks? That means better memes. The more people come into the <laughs> this paranormal life, uh, secret society and commune, the better memes we all get. That's right. It's called a hive mind. Mm-hmm. Buzz, buzz. We're all little bees, but instead of honey, we get hun memes. I think we gotta go. Uh, <laughs> as you can tell, my brain is literally fried uh, from all the insane paranormal information that it's tra- been trying to digest for the last hour. I hope yours is too, listener. I'm gonna go enjoy a mocktail on the back of that double yes. 
Otherwise, we'll see you next Tuesday for a brand new paranormal tale. Bye-bye, folks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.